Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Nga mihinui and welcome. From Radio New Zealand National, here's our changing world. Environmental scientist Lynn Roberts from Lincoln University is the lead author on a recent report commissioned by the Department of Conservation. The report's called The Nature of Wellbeing, how nature's ecosystem services contribute to the well-being of New Zealand and New Zealanders. And Alison meets Lynn to find out more. The ecosystem services idea came up as a way to communicate to people what we get from nature, how dependent we are on nature. Because I think many of us living in cities, etc., forget how much we use nature and rely on nature to provide us things like air to breathe, water to drink, food to eat, all those things that we take for granted. But they also provide all sorts of other benefits to us, like flood protection, water purification, air purification, pollination. There's a wide range of things that we do just take for granted in our normal lives. So we've got ecosystem services on one hand, we've got well-being on the other hand. How did you go about looking at those two together, bringing them together? Well, just as there's been this explosion of research on ecosystem services in the last 20 years, there's also been an explosion of research on well-being. And part of that has been driven by the recognition that our economic well-being has been increasing steadily. GDP has been growing, incomes have been growing, but people are not getting any happier in developed countries, that there seems to have been a levelling off. So trying to work out what it is that makes people happy, what really contributes to well-being. And the framework we used was one developed by a Chilean development economist called Manfred Maxneef, and he identified that all people have the same nine basic needs, and he summarised them as subsistence, protection, affection understanding, participation, creativity, identity, freedom, leisure. And all humans everywhere on the planet have those same basic needs. But depending on your culture, your personality, what access resources you've got, you will satisfy them in different ways. And the way we satisfy our needs are not necessarily consumer goods. Like our need for affection will usually be satisfied by close relationships with other people. Or our need for leisure could be just spending time reading a book, lying in the sand, doing whatever. So thinking more about how we satisfy our needs and what are the best types of satisfiers gives you an opening to explore some of the ways we're satisfying our needs, not actually giving us much well-being return and at the same time damaging the systems that we depend on. So what about one of the less tangible concepts, something like creativity, for example? That was a really interesting one to explore. When you think about what the first artists ever were really inspired by nature, you see that on cave drawings in New Zealand. You see ancient creatures drawn on the walls. Similarly, right through, we've got filmmakers, we've got artists, we've got painters, we've got writers, we've got poets, 
and so many of them are drawing inspiration from nature and we see it right through to things in every tourist shop of things designed using power shell, things designed using jade, our punamu. And one of the things I found in the research was that the early artists painting in New Zealand were drawing New Zealand landscapes, but they somehow made them look like European landscapes, so they weren't really New Zealand art. And New Zealand art was felt to have come of age when we were finally drawing landscapes and the New Zealand biodiversity that represents what New Zealand was really like. And that was a way in which we were anchoring our creativity in the place that we live, in the nature that we live within. Speaking of landscapes and connections, one of the things that you did in the report was create a a little journey from the the Alps right out to the coast. Can you tell me a bit about that? Why Why did you paint that journey? Well, you can write in an academic way about all these different things that we get from nature. But the idea of the Alps to the Sea journey was to just portray it in terms of how we live our daily lives and how we experience ecosystem services around us all the time. So we started the journey in Tekapo where there was, you know, the mountains, the, the clear air, the wind, the rain that become the service that flows through the country. And you see it, the services that we get from the rivers, the clear water, the fishing, the species that we use on the way down, right through to the sea. And so all around us in our daily lives, we are surrounded by these benefits that nature is giving us, but so often we take for granted. And then there's people in that landscape too. So there's people farming, there's people being tourists, there's people living that's right, and many of the, an- the landscapes do not look very indigenous at all in terms of most of our farming is dependent on species imported from elsewhere. But they still couldn't do the farming that they do if they didn't have the fresh water coming from, in a pure form down from the mountains and through the forests, if they didn't have the species in the soil, that do- all the different soil microorganisms that keep the soil nu- nutrients up if they didn't have the pollinators and the the species like manuka that the bees will use for nectar and honey. So they, they're drawing on a whole range of services even while they're using ex- native services, even though they're using exotic species. Do you think as a country that our economy recognises how much ecosystem services underpin everything and... Do we give any regard to the well-being that comes from it? I think some New Zealanders are very aware of how important nature is and you see that in the high numbers of people who volunteer to be involved in restoration projects who go out trapping pests and doing other things that help protect native species and biodiversity. But I think many of us are not aware and part of the important job I think we have ahead is to help people understand how much they are dependent on nature. We are part of nature and we've always depended on it for our basic survival. No one goes out to damage nature. We don't get up in the morning and saying I'm going to destroy a bit of nature today. What we get up and think is I want to do something that will enhance my well-being and so often our damage to nature is 
accidental, if you like. We're not. We're just unthinking in terms of how it's impacting on nature's ability to continue to provide for us in the future, so that our children have the same things that we've had, that they can still go down and fish in the local stream and find fish, and they can also go and enjoy the mountains, etc. So when we stop and think about what are the things that are really important to us, that's where there's some you know really interesting research about how so much of our consumption isn't actually delivering much well-being at all. We, we get hooked in by advertisers to think that buy this and you'll be so much better, you know, because you're worth it, all this sort of messages that consumption is the way to happiness. But the research is really clear that people who are focused on material goods are not as happy as people who are looking for the happiness in other places. People who, who recognise the importance of friends and family, people who enjoy things like going for a walk on the beach, end up with much higher levels of happiness than people who are in a rat race of trying to improve their wealth, improve their um, financial standing, improve their status through material goods, improve their consumption. Those things don't end up delivering lasting benefits. You need to consume enough to have your basic needs met, but after that more and more spending and consumption doesn't actually deliver much. That's that difference between want and need, isn't it? You might want a bigger, faster car, but actually, really, do you need it? You've got a car that does perfectly well at getting you from A to B. Yes, but I think it's also just understanding what your wants are because I think we get our wants put in our brain by advertisers as much as anything, that we think that we will do better with a bigger house and don't think through what it means in terms of it means you have to work longer hours and spend less time potentially at home with our kids. We have to do other things to meet that. So if we stopped and actually really thought about what what are the important things for our happiness, I think we just don't stop and reflect often enough on what is it that really brings us happiness. And if we did that, we'd probably be choosing things that actually damage nature much less. And in so doing, we'd also ensure our longer-term happiness as well as our short-term happiness. Who did you write the report for? The report was commissioned by the Department of Conservation and I think sort of the genesis of the idea is that recognising that New Zealand's biodiversity is continuing to decline and uh, and that was a curious thing to realise as well that most people, most New Zealanders think that it's not declining because they hear the good news stories about Species X being saved and don't realise that that's one um, species saved while another 10 might be going downhill. So we've we've got the situation of continuing decline of biodiversity and it really is too much, too big a job to do that for just one department. It really needs all New Zealanders to be thinking about that, to be recognising that they value nature and they need to do something to look after it. So the idea behind it was to understand better all the different ways in which nature contributes to our well-being and then to use that as a communication tool to get people thinking about it and understanding why it would be good for them, why they would benefit if nature was looked after a bit better. So you've talked about how some of us are consuming too much but are there not people who actually need to consume more? Exactly and that that is the the global sustainability issue and, and also the issue within New Zealand that We've got 
a chunk of the population who are consuming too much, who are consuming more than they need to to achieve their their well-being needs. And we've got people in the world who are not getting nearly enough to meet their well-being needs. The planet can't supply for everyone to live at the level of an American consumption, for example. And so to to allow sustainable society in which people are, all people are achieving their basic needs, we need to have the rich people learning how to consume less and still have a good life. And we need to enable those who are not getting enough to meet their basic needs to to consume what they need to to have a, a healthy diet and a, and secure housing and all those sort of things. I think the issue is often presented as how we have to do without, and I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think if you start thinking about what really makes you happy, you end end up having a better life by consuming less, not a worse life. So there's a sense in which both sides of this argument here are about understanding. It's about better understanding what ecosystem services are, but also better understanding about what gives us a good sense of well-being. That's right. We need to understand ecosystem services and how many benefits we get from them so that we appreciate them and do more to look after them and value them and give them priority in our decision-making. But there's also the question of what brings us happiness, and I think that's an, uh, equally important that we need to be better at understanding the different components, the different things that we need, the different experiences. It's not just things, it's all the different components that bring us well-being and happiness. And if we can get better at working out which bits of our consumption give us well-being and which bits of consumption are not giving us well-being but causing bigger impact, then we'll get better at choosing things, choosing satisfiers in the terms of Max Neef. He talks about how we satisfy our needs. If we choose, get better at choosing satisfiers that have deliver high happiness and low impact, then we get what they talk is called the double dividend, the idea that we not only end up happier, but we also end up doing less damage to the systems that support us. But how does all of this fit into our current economic model where growth is a good thing and GDP defines how well we're doing? Indeed. The economic model as it stands at the moment does really only have one step between we have a want and you have money and you satisfy that want, whereas this Max Neves is much more subtle. It recognises that we have choices in how we satisfy those needs and there's all sorts of different ways that you can satisfy a need. And if we can get better at choosing what sort of satisfiers, which may be an experience, it may be a time out, it may be being with other people, are the things that bring us the happiness and allow us to satisfy those needs. But we do have a model that is, assumes growth is good. And it's when you stop and think about it, it's basically idiotic to think that you can have exponential growth indefinitely in a closed system like the planet. It's not getting any better. The planet is the same size it's been for several billion years. So at some point we've got to level off, and that has been recognised from you know Adam Smith through to Keynes. They all assumed that growth was a phase that you go through until you level off. And But the way the system's designed at the moment, 
it is growth or collapse, so we have to redesign the system so that we can have a levelling off to a steady state that allows us to continue indefinitely. At the moment, we're doomed. <laughs> we're heading for burn and bust is the way we're living at the moment. And that was environmental scientist Lynn Roberts from Lincoln University. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, you can find more stories on our webpage, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash our changing world. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.